All right, thanks, guys. That was awesome. I'm Danny. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to go and where we're going to end up. Uh, Sam's word this morning was very structured, and that's normally what I do and what I am. Um, yeah, we'll just see where we go. <laughs> I, uh, I've been really uh, challenged uh, to be here. Uh, Greg asked me some time ago to speak, and I guess what we've been coming to realise is that when we're up here, what are we speaking? What are we saying? Is it me? Uh, or is it his story? Is it what he's doing in us? Is it living? Is it real? Uh, does it does it power my life? Um, you know, we've we've benefited from from listening to Greg, and I think a couple of weeks ago you listened to Todd White, and when you hear these guys speak, it's just very real, isn't it? It's just tangible. It is living waters coming out from them, and. Um, I've I've spoken before at different times in different places, uh, but when Greg asked me to speak, I was just very aware of the weightiness of it now, uh, and and so I've been um, thinking about what I needed to concentrate on, and even in that, um, became difficult. But but one of the things that uh, Kept coming back was a song which we'll listen to soon uh, by Big Daddy Weave. Uh, it's called My Story. Uh, it's based on an old hymn called Blessed Assurance. Who's old enough to know those hymns? Yeah? Uh, <laughs> um, I'll tell you why I know it a little bit later. But, you know, first couple of lines is Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Ear of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then the chorus goes, this is my story, this is my song, praising my saviour all the day long. Now Big Daddy Weave doesn't sing the hymn, they just use the chorus, but um, when you listen to the words, it's really challenging because they speak also from a living conviction. You know, They speak from... When you, if I tell you my story, you will hear forgiveness. You will hear this. You will hear that. Um, and and then when you listen to it, I go, actually, is that true of me? Do do I speak like that, or do I give a physical account? Do I tell people my story, and and do I give them facts and figures, and uh, and yet actually miss what the Lord is doing in us and speaking? that word, because that word may not make sense at all, you may look like a fool, uh, you're likely to look like a fool because it says so, you know, the power of God, it, you know, it's foolishness to, to those who are perishing. Um, so when you give a gospel account to somebody, um, you know, how real is it? How real is it in you? Um so Greg sent a text the other day and it crystallised 
the weightiness that I've been feeling, and we've we've heard this before, but but it's Romans fifteen eighteen where he says, "For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me." And some translations say, "In me," um, resulting in the obedience of the uh, Gentiles by word and deed. Um, so in in thinking about that. Um, all I could think of that I know that the Lord has done in my life is is a number of things where I can truly say that I haven't heard it from somebody else, I haven't studied it, um, and part of that is, is is my testimony, and part of that are, are some things that have happened at, at different places. Um, so I think I'm going to end up in some of those things, um, but let's first um, pray with me. Lord, I... Um, I come before you in 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 humbleness, Father. I um, your word tells us that did I not create the mouth? And you've said, Lord, you've said to me, um, I will touch your mouth and you will speak my words. So, Father, I just uh, I just have faith and trust that um, all that I've dumped down. Uh, Lord, you will order, you will speak what uh, needs to be spoken tonight, that, Lord, it will, it will bless uh, those who are the hearers of this word today. Thank you. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've spent the last week, hours before I'm contending for something, and not because I'm super spiritual, <laughs> uh, and I've been asking, and, and it's been frustrating because I didn't feel like anything was coming. Um, but that in itself was something being taught in me, because God goes, well, what, what's the motive of your heart? Do you want to share something that, that will bless my children, that will speak something of me, um, that will usher in my presence? Um, or is it actually because you want to please people? You want to do well? You want to be seen to do well? You want people to think of you a certain way, um, you know, or or you don't want people walking away thinking, "Well, that was a waste of two hours. I can't get that back from my life." Um, and you know, if I'm truly honest, if I'm truly honest, then then that was probably at the core of it. So you know, there was some repentance there. Uh, so part of my testimony. Um, is is that fear of man has been something that have been challenged uh, on since day dot, uh, since I came to faith, um, and and like the presentation this morning, I like it all ordered, and I just couldn't get anything ordered. <laughs> so um, so the title is whose story, um, and I think what we might do is uh, if we can play the song. Uh, and I just pray that you let it wash over you, listen to the words, and and um, hope that, uh, I know it's always difficult because we can't give each other the revelation, we can't give each other what the Lord has shown us, but I hope that that something of, of in the song and what's said tonight will, um, you know, will just augment what the Lord has been doing in your life, will speak to you, because uh, I've certainly found when I've stepped into that, uh, you know, God is so kind, and He 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 confirms. He confirms. There'll be a word. There'll be something else, and um, and you know that encourages in our faith. So thanks, Rochelle. So do we have a story, Father? We pray that uh, it's your story. Um, 
if we turn to John 4, 39 to 42, this is kind of the key scripture that, um, that I was reflecting on, and I'll read it out. Um, many of the Samaritans from that town... Oh, there you go, cut and paste didn't work, did it? Let's go back to the... Uh, I'll read it from there, that's the most important thing. So many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So you will probably recognise that this is after Jesus was talking with the Samaritan woman at the well where he came and uh, asked her to draw water. Uh, and he began to explain that uh, you know the water she was going to drink was uh, going to be temporary, wasn't going to satisfy her, but uh, the water that he gives would satisfy her for life and would cause a wellspring of water to rise up within her. Um, so that was the context, but I found the interesting thing here was that you know, she Jesus told her her story, and that was such a, uh, an interaction that that she was moved enough to go back to town and to tell everybody. Um, and you know, not only that, he he in the discourse gave, I guess, a promise, a future hope uh, of what her life could be, um, and. You know, so so the rest of the people, you know, just think about it. Somebody coming back to you now from from you from your like sphere of influence, coming to uh, a place where you might work or where you go to school or wherever, and and all of a sudden something's very different. Uh, but it's enough of an interaction that you're actually wanting to go out and meet meet this this Jesus, and so. You know, and then they asked him to stay, and he stayed two days. And I guess for most of us who've been in the church for a while, um, you know, as 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 we've heard, you know, we we learn stuff, and and we assimilate stuff, and and I guess you know the Samaritans did have a part of that because. Her words to him, you know, she knows that the Christ is going to come and explain all these things. So she had learnt some stuff. Um, and yet after this, you know, we no longer believe just because she said. You know, we no longer believe because Greg has said something. We no longer believe because Todd White has given testimony of, of what God has done in them. We now believe because we've had that interaction. We now believe because his story is in us. Um and you know, I, I'll put my hand up. That, that's my challenge. For those of you who don't know me, I'm, I've been here for 23 years since coming to faith. Um, there's only probably two or three couples, the Hewitsons. Um, Terry, you've probably been here. Okay. Um, and you know, part of me was like, hey, 23 years, look at me, I've been around a while. <laughs> But I must say, in the last few years, I truly feel like I, I, I'm back at the time of decision. 
where, you know, I've been committed to stuff here. I've served at hospitality. <clears throat> we used to have to put the chairs out. Many, many years ago, we used to have, these chairs went out, the, the gym used to operate in the auditorium here, and and we had railway chairs that came out of the old red railway carts. They were three along, they were pretty heavy, and every sun- Sunday we'd have to drag them out in the morning, 120 of them, and there was a the right place to put it. And the sound desk wasn't where, where it was, it was actually a movable sound desk which had massive cords that would run up into the stage, so we had to create a little bridge so we could drag all the chairs underneath and then have to put it all away again at night. So, you know, I was committed. I was committed. Uh, I've Some years ago we had a men's ministry, uh, and and I was part of that and then ended up leading that for a couple of years. Um, and if I look back, and some of the scriptures that, that are a little bit later on, you know, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. Um. How much of that was his word in me? And how much of that was me just doing and serving? How much of it was a spirit-led action of obedience where, you know, we've all had it and we've all denied him. We've all heard the little voice say, go and do this. Nah, that wasn't you. Nah, I didn't hear that right. Oh, does anybody want to put the chairs out? Yeah, I'll put the chairs out. Yeah, I'm a good Christian. I'll go and put that out. That's not a problem. You know, but at the end of time, when everything gets rolled up, what's Christ going to ask us? He's not going to ask us anything about what we've done. He's going to ask us, "What did you hear?" And, and and you know, did you act upon it? Were you obedient to that? Um, and and so, sorry, iPad keeps kicking out. Um, so my story. Um, I'll, I'll do a little bit of my story, how I came to faith. And I hope to probably share a couple of things that I know the Lord has done and spoken in me, um, because I know that is Him. Because I didn't manufacture it, I didn't seek it out, I didn't um, put my hand up, um, and so it, it came unexpectedly. Um, so I was about eighteen. I uh, had a mate stay the night, and for some reason we were just talking and I had a real fear of death just drop in on me so we all know cognitively we're going to die yeah that's just a but we don't process it we don't really address it as human beings because it's too hard um, and I don't even know what we're talking about but it, all I can say is like a spiritual awakening of you're going to die What's that going to mean? And all you know, it was like a dagger going in me, and that upset me, uh, kind of emotionally, cognitively, uh, for quite some months. Uh, didn't tell anybody. Could cry my heart out, and you could call out for your mum or your parents, but I intuitively knew that actually they couldn't satisfy that. They 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 couldn't comfort me in that. Um, and uh, so this was end of seven form or year thirteen in the day. Uh, sorry, year 13, it's seven form in the day. And um, at that stage, my now wife, Janelle, uh, was somebody who was attractive to me, uh, both physically, but also there was something different about her. She was a Christian. Uh, you, you know, she had a very strong sense of character. Uh, and I kind of knew, having had a few girlfriends before that, 
Gee, if I go out with this girl, it's going to be a long time, I think. And I didn't realise it was going to be for life. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, her life uh, kind of spoke to me. And I wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't know the gospel. Um, I come from a, I was born in Holland originally, lived there nine years. My mum was a post-war Catholic family of 12. Dad was a post-war Protestant family of 10. Uh, so I've been to churches and, and christenings and all that kind of stuff. Went to summer camps and, and Waitawiri Beach and all that. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like that the gospel was completely foreign to me. But I certainly didn't engage with it and certainly didn't, didn't believe it. Um, and then I uh, obviously met Janelle. And back then, The Rock was not The Rock. It was called Christian City Church, and it was up Glover Street, a couple of, in the next bay up. And Anthony Walton was the senior pastor then. And he, uh, I went to a couple of services, and yeah, so-so. But this fear of death just, just you know, ruined me for several months. And then God, in his sense of humor, in February of 1993, I became... A person who works in the funeral industry. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, well, there you go. You want to face fear, face death? Uh, I'll give you a job there. I wasn't a Christian at the stage, um, but how that came about was just on the physical. Yeah, we just read things in the physical, um, and it was just a personal friend of mine who I'd worked, uh, who who his best friend, his younger brother was my best friend, and. He came to me one day and says, oh, you said you'd get used to it. And I said, oh, I don't remember ever saying that. But, okay, I'd finished high school, wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. Da-da-da-da. I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go for three months. Had the mullet cut off, had a mullet, put on the little black leather tie, white shirt, dress pants, and that's now 23 and a half years later. Um, so that was in February. And uh, so... The great thing about that is, as I wasn't a funeral director then, I was trained to be an embalmer, but I'm a funeral director now. Uh, you visit a lot of churches, of course, because you go to funerals. And, you know, that, that was great because I, um, be able to read the tracks. You know, there was a hunger, there was something stirred in me. You know, Janelle's life and, and, and her family, who were mostly Christians, you know, spoke to me. They never preached, they never did anything. Um, you know, not not getting near Janelle was a pretty strong sign that something special was inside her, because you know she valued herself enough that she wasn't just going to give herself away to anybody or anything. You know that in itself was a strength of her conviction. Um, and so I became July of of ninety three, and in the week on the Monday of that week. For some reason, I knew I had to make a decision. On the Wednesday, something dropped in me and said, you need to make a decision on Wednesday. You know, choose death, choose life, choose me, or choose your own way. So on Wednesday night at at, at, at home, I was, okay, Lord, yes, I know I need to. And I surrendered. There was a measure of faith given to me, and I surrendered, and I gave my life to the Lord, as they say. And I've been committed ever since. But have I been surrendered? So Greg's talked about the mental agreement. Uh, and, and that's certainly what I had. I had a mental agreement. And certainly in the, in the months thereafter, um, 
you know, things did uh, did look different. Life looked different. You you um, you started seeing people and and what you did differently without a, without a doubt. Did I have the experience of the love of the Father drop in on me and remind me of how much He saved me? No, that's been a process for the last twenty three years, and it's been accelerated in the last you know two to four to five to six years. Um, so that was kind of the physical part. I've never felt the fear of death again, thanks to him. You know, he has, he's dropped a measure of, of uh, faith in me that I've not felt it to that point where, where, it, where it, you know, physically affected me. Um, so that's kind of the physical, uh, my story. And, of course, he has his hand on us, and, and the hope is, is that it, it, it is his story. Um, So fast forwarding some time, um, ended up getting married, uh, and we ended up having four girls. So when you see the four girls running around here, uh, yes, they're all ours, uh, and uh, you know they are a blessing. Uh, but boy, is it hard work, and, and certainly the Lord <laughs> is teaches you. <laughs> uh, and and if you know, if I was God, there wouldn't be an earth. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, it exposes your temper, uh, and and I had it. I've had a temper since I was a young boy. I won't go into that, but uh, you know, you it is truly His work in you that removes that because you can't do it in your own strength. You say, oh, "I'm not going to get angry now. I'm not going to get angry now." You know, and then you just explode, and you know, it's a great leveler. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'll fast forward um, and just share a couple of uh, words. And how many of you um, have have got a, this booklet or have read the booklet? Um, have some understanding of what's in there? Um, so, and I think it was about two thousand and nine. I can't quite remember if those of you were around. We had a means camp, and we had Tark Barna come and speak to us. Uh, I don't know if you all know who Tuck Barna is, um, but he's a, a pastor up in Auckland. I think his church now called Church Unlimited. Um, and I just, you know, I went along to the camp, and you know, we, we, we talk, we, we've been talking about positioning yourself, and. I guess you just you go along to some stuff because you go along to some stuff, and I, I went there going along, not expecting much, um, but that was probably the start of God showing me some stuff where it just started to blow my mind, and I say that because I'm just an ordinary person. I've, you know, I've heard some stories of people who are in who are in the body, and you know, these stories are. Amazing, you know they've got these great testimonies, these great witnesses, and two thousand and nine, I've you know walked for um, nearly fifteen years already, and um, you know it's all great to hear his story and other people, but you you want your own story, you have to have your own story, um, because at the end of the day, uh, you know Jesus. 
will only do what you allow them to do in you. And and again, if if we're honest, most of the time we don't want them to do too much because it costs too much and it hurts too much. And and so you keep things away to a rainy day, but that rainy day is going to come very fast. And as a funeral director, I can tell you, you know, none of us wake up this morning thinking we're we're going to die, but it happens day in day out. Um, and so you know, time is short. Uh, number your days. You are like but grass. Uh, you know, take wisdom from that, and and you know, do what you can do today. Um, so I'll give just. I'll try and summarise it because one of the issues in my life is that I talk too much. Uh, you look at every report; it says he can achieve and he can do this, but talks too much. <laughs> and and we want to try and stay on topic about whose story. So so this is some of his story in me. Um, so I went to the camp and Janelle's, my, my in-laws, her parents live up in Waikanae and I kind of wanted to be a, a family thing that would go up in the camp and you know she was going to go and we had two lilies at that stage. Um, she might have been pregnant with number three, can't quite remember. Um, and, and she decided not to come up and that was a bit of a frustration for me if I'm honest. Um, however, what it did end up doing, it actually released me. Uh, which I hadn't kind of seen that. So, you know, we think things are bad, but there are reasons why God does these things at times. Um, so I was able to go to the early prayer meetings and, and all sorts. You know, I didn't have to uh, devote my time to my wife or my family. You know, Paul counsels us like that, um, that, that you know, there's going to be tensions at times. Um, and so in a prayer meeting and for some reason I, I felt very strongly about um, the scripture 2 Kings 6 um, you don't have to go there but it was about uh, Elijah saying to his servant Gehazi and he said open his eyes Lord and let him see who is with us if you remember they were surrounded by all the enemy and and he was packing himself which you quite rightly would uh, and then he says you know open his eyes Lord let him see uh, and then we see the chariots of angels and um and so that scripture was was percolating in me, and but I, I didn't have an in. There were people praying, and Paul Costello was there, and Greg, and was, you know, I, I didn't get an in. So I just thought, oh well, I'll just you know, just let it go. And and then Greg all of a sudden said, you know, somebody on my left has got a word, and I opened my eyes, and oh, that's me. Uh, and so I bought the word, and and that was probably one of the first times where it was very very clear, you know, um, and. Just bought it, you know, nothing, nothing great, but it was a step of obedience. It was a step of actually imagining things because we do, we think some things and then we go, well, that's just me. But actually, isn't God in us? Isn't his spirit in us? So is it not quite possible that your thoughts are actually his thoughts? He says that his thoughts are not our thoughts, but when the spirit of in us doesn't say we have the mind of Christ. So... um so we had that little thing, and then those of you who know Graham and Jeanette Ward, they've been here since that time as well. Graham was being prayed for for some reason, uh, and I was helping pray and had hands on him, and I just weeped like a little baby crying over him. Don't ask me why. Uh, and I just, you know, it was like, I think the Christian word is travailing in the Lord over him, and the Lord was showing how much he was loving him and things like that. So I became like a conduit. 
And I'd done nothing special. I hadn't said, use me, Lord. I hadn't, you know, it was just something that he was doing for Graham but through me. And isn't that just great that he, he does draw family together? Um, then we had a little bit later, um, again, I thought about a scripture in Joel 2. I thought about a, uh, Psalm 139. I thought, no, that's, that doesn't look right. And I looked up one, Psalm 138. And then, you know, the following, the following moment, you know, Paul Costello brings Joel 2. He brings that scripture. Uh, Tark Barna next session then speaks on Psalm 138. Um, you know, and I, you're, just, you're starting to get, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Awesomely weird. Um, so I'll just fast forward. And then there was a worship session. Um, and so I want to, I'll just describe what happened and the vision I had. Um, and then I'll correlate it uh, to, to, I guess, some of what's been in here. So as we were worshipping in the morning, um, just singing songs, and then I just got a picture of this structure. And it was columns, and they were like Roman columns, you know, so a big, thick kind of base, and then kind of big, thick columns, and then a, a neck on it, like a kind of thing. Um, but there was a terrible, terrible flood that just, uh, and turbulent waters that just smashed into them with such a force that I thought they were going to get bowled over. And, and I was, I was panicking. I was panicked. And I started crying and, and saying, Lord, is that me? Is that me? Don't ask me why I was asking that, but is that me? Um, and, and I was hoping it wasn't me, <laughs> you know. Uh, there was a real kind of fear and ominous, not ominous, what's the word? That's it, ominous. Um, and the next thing you know, I was, I was saying, I was crying out, you know, save your people, Lord, save your people. And he assured me that the pillars weren't going to fall and topple, um, but the waters continued to rise, and they rose and rose and rose, like they were getting to the neck of these columns, you know, and they were right kind of at the bottom there. And, um, and it felt like destruction and an attack, Hence that, that ominous feeling. Um, but the damage uh, had now exposed what was inside. And so the columns uh, didn't fall over, but they were now damaged. They were cracked. There were chunks coming out of them. But what it exposed was a core on the inside, like reinforced concrete running from the bottom to the top of it, you know, running kind of straight through the middle. Through the middle. And, you know, this is the first time I've experienced anything like this. Um, you know, firstly in the seeing and then with the level of, of emotional and spiritual response coming from within me. And, it, you know, it was a bit scary because it had this real air of, of, of um, it was just scary. Um, but God had been explaining along the way what it meant to me at the same time. So I don't know how he does that, but he does. Um, and I knew I had to share this with Greg in the, in the leadership. Um, because it pertained to them. But I also, because of its intensity, I didn't think it was right to speak it to a crowd of 100 to 120 men in those at that time um, because it, it did have that, again, that judgment feeling about it. But I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if it is meant to be shared with everyone, um, you know, you, you need to call me out like Greg called me out the other day or the other morning. 
No sooner had I said that or thought that, and all of a sudden Greg's hands on me and says, look, I don't know what the Lord is doing in this guy, but he's just all over him. And so I just grabbed his mic <laughs> and, and stood up and, and, and shared and explained what, uh, what I just happened. And the columns were the men of the rock at the time. Well, maybe not at the time, but the, the representative of the men of the rock holding up Greg and the leadership and all that the rock was meant to do in Christ. Um, and not all men, not all the men that were there were, were the pillars, and, and that was okay. I sensed the Lord was saying that I was one of them, and that, that's just a different role. It, it's not hierarchical or anything like that, just like a pastor isn't higher than us. We're all the same in Christ. Um, and some of the other men, actually their role was to, um, uh, to end up fixing the columns, to get back and to reconcrete and to plaster and, and to, to make those columns whole again. And some of the other roles of other men was to build a wall in the vicinity, uh, but still to build a wall around it uh, to, to protect it from more turbulent waters or to at least stop some of it so it wouldn't hit those columns again. And the columns were on a strong foundation, and that foundation was the Word and was, was Christ. And, and, and the, the still reinforcing was the Word in us and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and holding up, you know, the leadership and the mantle of, of the rock at the time. Um, and, and so this was 2009 or something like that. And so that had, had, a, had a big impact, obviously. And now if you start reading the scriptures here, uh, God will dismantle and reestablish Greg and the rock's understanding of how he builds his church. Um, you know, I see a very strong correlation about that. As we journey forward as a community this year, every heart will be exposed for what is in it. Um, and James Anson prophesied, I saw Greg as a battering ram, smashing and demolishing man-made mindsets, leaning into community into a new spiritual landscape. Um, so I, I draw very strong correlations to what happened in me and, and what other words have been spoken. Uh, and that's just an encouragement for me, really. <laughs> Uh, that, that we don't understand things at times. Uh, his ways are far higher. His thoughts are far higher. Um, but if we allow him, if we step into what we sense is happening, it just goes bigger and bigger and bigger. It just grows in you. Um, and, and then some years later, um, I can't quite, I don't have a time frame for this, but it was possibly when all this was happening as well. Not necessarily that this was all written down at that stage, um, but some years later, in light of what was being declared, you know, I felt the Lord revealed to me that the floodwaters actually wasn't an attack; it was actually Him, um, and and or an outside force. And He showed me that, and the reason that the waters rose to the top, it rose right to the top, is actually He was covering us. He was, he was covering the exposing he was doing because nobody wants to be exposed in front of other people. Uh, and, and, and so the waters were covering the work that he was doing uh, and, and, and the exposing that was going on um, you know, in the secret place um, as he was working on us. But then he also, rather than actually my initial concept of other men fixing it, he was showing me that actually all of it was ripped away. All the Roman columns, everything there was, was, was taken away, was gone, which was a little bit like uh, what James Anson said, you know, demolishing man-made mindsets. Um, 
because it's the core, it's that relationship, it's that steel that is us and him, the Holy Spirit, and it's like the columns is, is life, is church, is, is everything we make it to be. And that's, that's not the, the real deal. Uh, and then he showed me as the waters were receding that actually the columns were pure gold. As the waters were coming away, it was just pure gold. And then you, you, know, you recognize, why gold, Lord? Well, it's strong. It's valuable. It shines. Um, you know, when he does that work and we allow him to do the work, we're being made pillars of gold. And there was a scripture shared not that long ago, and I didn't realize, and I was going to try and look it up, and I've forgotten it, but it talks about pillars. Um, and um, so I share that not because I want actually you to think of anything of me special, because I'm not. Um, but just how the Lord works in each individual life and you're in a community and it, and it all pulls together and his story is his story in us, it's his story in you, it's his story us together. Um, but we have to speak it and I can speak it here. I feel reasonably comfortable in speaking it here. If I do a talk about funeral directing stuff in front of hundreds of people, I'm comfortable because I've I've lived that life, I've journeyed the funeral directing life, there's no question that that will faze me, I'm not scared whatsoever but speaking his word (laughs) is a little bit differently (laughs) Uh, I might have walked with him for 23 years but I don't feel or sense I've got 23 years of experience in him that I can speak his story but yet as you start to speak things start to come uh, and and more comes gets drawn out of you. You forget that he's building the well, and the well is quite deep, and stuff gets brought up. Um, hopefully, at a time where somebody gets some benefit out of it. Um, so, so that's about his story. Whose story are we telling? You know, I can tell the story to you guys, but how much of it is actually in me, living, that I might that I might be a witness. To my family, that I might share this with my family members, that I might share this with my workmates. Not that I'd share this per se, but that you actually have a heart to heart with them, and and you are vulnerable and you compromise yourself, um, and in speaking something that, um, you know, you 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 will be judged for. Uh, you're going to be judged for by those outside the church and those inside the church. Um, There was um, another, I guess, um, point recently. There's many, but I won't go through them. I'll just go through a couple. Um, that uh, it was actually Mel that spoke um, some years ago, and she one of the things she spoke about was Christ is the substance, and life was the shadow. That was one of one of her lines, and. You know, it's a, it's it's a funny saying. Christ is the substance, but he is, isn't he? You know, he 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 was the Word. The Word was with God in the beginning. By His Word, creation came. By His Word, we have life. By His Word, everything will be wound up. Uh, in Revelations, and it dawned on me one time where, 
it paints the picture of the two armies, the armies of God and the armies of, of, of Satan facing off against one another. And um, I think it might be Revelations 20 or 19, can't quite remember. And, uh, you know, you just, and we're all there because he's talking about the saints being there and things like that. So you think you're going to, you know, rock up with Jesus and we're going to have a big battle and da 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 da. And then <laughs> he, by his word, it was finished. I'll, I'll, I have to find a scripture, but he, he, he basically speaks and the enemy's completely defeated and, and, and all, it's over by his word. You don't have to do anything. Um, so he is the substance. He is the substance of life. Um, and just like, like the, those Roman uh, columns were, I guess, a fake facade, you know, life is the shadow of him, but it can also be fake. Um, so I listened to Mel's message over and over, and we had a series about, you know, the bride of Christ. Who of you were engaged in that? It was an evening um, series, and and so I, I got two pictures. Um, so Christ is the substance. Uh, life, marriage, relationships, the church, the mosaic laws are all a shadow of him. They're reflective of him. They are his shadow. And it all points to him. If you think about a shadow, um, you know, it, it originates from somewhere. So it all points to him and where, he's, where he is. The shadow has the form of him, but it's not him. It's the shadow. We, we have intimacy with him. We can't have intimacy with the shadow. Because um, the shadow is not the substance; it's not him. A shadow is temporary; it moves, and it will move when Christ moves. The shadow will cover you, and you feel safe. And people will follow the shadow moves of God, but not necessarily him. They might not follow Christ. They'll move. They'll move the shadow. We, as a people, like being in the shadow because it hides us. We like the darkness in the shadow. We don't have to see or acknowledge who we really are. But remember, Jesus is the substance that causes that shadow. And then I got a picture as I was listening, contemplating that. Then I, again, I got this picture, and you think you're imagining things. But I saw, I saw Jesus with outstretched arms, like on the cross, his back facing the Father blocking, I guess, the Father's intense dream of holiness and love and power and judgment and just the nature of the Father. Because if that was near us, as we, we recognize, I guess, scripturally, is that God can't be near us because we're sinful. Yeah, We would burn up. We would be destroyed uh, because of his nature. Um, but we're co-heirs. Um, with Christ. Christ is a substance casting the shadow, so he's blocking that. You can be anywhere in the shadow. You can be close in the length of the shadow. You can be at a far distance from that substance, and you can have your back to the substance in that shadow, even in church, without anybody noticing. But Jesus is calling us to intimacy, isn't he? And he wants intimacy. He wants us walking beside him. Yeah, he, he wants us to be his bride, doesn't he? To be beside him, we must first repent, which we know is a turning around. So we must decide to turn towards him, towards the substance, turning in the shadow, 
as I've said, we're, we're the co-ears of Christ. So meaning now we're moving out of the shadow and we're actually seeing him now face to face. And this, this picture is as Christ was seeing face to face. You know, we are now face to face with Christ, which we're out of a shadow. We're now facing the streaming light of the Father. But we're holding his hand and we, we gain his nature. We're, we're interacting with, with Christ and, um, and once beside him, we can see for who he really is, not what we think he is and what we've made him to be based on walking in the shadow because we see him face to face. And the eyes, it says, are the windows to the soul. So when we see his eyes, we will see love. We will see God's love. But because we're in the light, we recognize that, that, that you know, we're a leper, we're disfigured, we're diseased, we're broken, and we do worry. We are, will we be loved? Will we be accepted? But perfect love drives out fear. So when we see that love in his eyes, you know, we know that we're accepted. Uh, so now beside him, um, I go, but why beside him? And then it dawned on me, you know, because he wants us to be his bride. So what happens in a marriage ceremony? Does the groom not face the coming bride? Does he not turn and face the coming bride? Do we not turn and stand beside one another, holding hands and facing the Father, facing the altar? Uh, we make vows to each other, don't we? And Christ, Christ in his word vows to love us in sickness and in health, don't we? Till death do us part. No, not till death do us part. Till death actually brings us into that intimacy the true intimacy, um, the ultimate intimacy and unification, like the nakedness in the marriage act, isn't it? When the clothes come off, just like death, the clothes come off. Um, the restrictions are removed. Death and the restrictions of the body are removed. And, and you know, we are one, and we're journeying to that now. Um, you know, so that was... That was him in me. Again, I, I, I didn't ask for that. I was just, I guess, positioning myself, trying to feed, trying to hear somebody else's story, trying to help hear a Mel's story. You know, the Samaritans listened to the woman. I was listening to Mel at that time. But then Christ, I listened to Christ and what he said. So, you know, this is now part of who I am. and Now part of his story is in me. Um, so I guess the question is, you know what? What's your story? What do you say? You know, do do you think you have a story? How much of his story is your story? Um, and that's the challenge, isn't it? Uh, and and you know, I, I'm I'm in f- f- not fearful. That's the wrong word. I'm in, in reverence of the fact that um, how much of my life will actually count when when Christ calls us to account or when we're in heaven, not to account but to reward. Um, you know, I'm I'm convinced that that nothing we do in life unless it is from him. He said, I only do what my father tells me to do. <laughs> do we? Do I? Really? Do I sit and wait and really listen and then and when I do hear him, <laughs> do I actually do it? <laughs> because that that will be counted as righteousness. That will be counted as as reward to us. 
um, you know, with, with all reverence, Mother Teresa, uh, the Pope, the Sally Army, you know, they're known for their works. Now, they may all be born out of love. I don't know. God knows. But all that they've accomplished and done, while it might speak of the love of God, if it's not done with love from him, what does the word say? It's worth nothing. It's burnt up. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, the whole wedding, you know, God is patient. Uh, it's love is patient. Love is kind. Da, da, da. But John tells us God is love. And so it dawns on me. So I do all these things. But if I have not love, if I have not God in me when I'm doing them, it's nothing. It's a resounding gong. It's a clanging cymbal. And he tells us it, it, it's going to be burnt up. Um, so, you know, I've been really challenged and, and uh, surrender is certainly uh, something that I'm, I'm fighting, <laughs> fighting to work on. <laughs> Uh, and so I don't quite know I'll finish on well maybe I'll finish on that Uh, the the few weeks ago in June or July um, who was here when uh, basically the whole church ended up being prayed for and and Greg um, started and and it became something Okay, so so I'll tell you my part in that and my my part of God's story in that, because <laughs> um, most of you, possibly if you were there, you would seen me and Carl, who is also a member here, uh, praying basically uh, for Greg and and for you all at the same time, uh, and that wasn't scripted. In fact, that morning I was pretty grumpy. Uh, I was in a negative headspace. And I wasn't sure why. Uh, it was just going to be me, Petra, uh, and Melody. So that's my eleven-year, near eleven-year-old and three-year-old, as Skylar, my eight-year-old, and April, my six-year-old, and my wife Janelle. We're off to a ballet recital. Petra wasn't keen when we wasn't keen to go to church and wanted to do home church, and I wasn't feeling like kind of going to church anyway. But no, I thought I just, we're not going to stay home. We'll we'll go. Um, and I couldn't really connect that morning. And and I was keen for Greg to start because we all know Greg can talk and talk and talk because rivers of living water come out of him, uh, and and he he's like he doesn't mind me talking about him like this, uh, and because I, I didn't want to get it too late, I thought come on let's get going Greg you know, and there were family commitments and and worship was ending and then Greg began to to speak again but then he sang, and then for some reason I sensed I needed to go to the front. Ah, Lord, if you want to touch me, Lord, you can touch me. I don't need to go to the front. And I was, I was at the back as I normally am on the right, and and I, I felt like going to the right hand side of 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 the stage, my right hand side. Um, you know, I was vacillating. Oh, I'm sweet here. And then, if you remember, there was a, a lady, and I don't know her name, but then she went to that area and started dancing for the Lord. Um, I went crap. <laughs> oh. You know, it's like so. I thought oh, I'll, I'll I'll go to the middle, and and uh, I should have gone. You know, vacillate. You don't go. Uh, God will use somebody else because I did have a sense of Him saying to me, "Well, it, it, would you go if it meant that that somebody else would be blessed?" 
that was kind of, you know, would you go if it was a catalyst for something? Um, and so anyway, I went to the middle. Greg spoke briefly, and then he sent a short time to minister and pray by the infilling and laying of hands. Um, and then Danny brought a picture about the astronaut, if you remember, um, and showing her that in space there's no gravity, a weightlessness. And it's in the same in the spirit for us, freedom from the pull of the world or anything, freedom in him, nothing to hold us back or pull us down. And without having spoken to Greg, Greg had already written on the board about a vision of becoming his family, and we must be released from the magnetic pull of the earth, which was just fantastic. Um, Greg began to pray, and you know, quite a number of people came up. And I thought to myself, um, you know, well, he, he might need some help. And I had a desire to help him, but thought, actually, it's, maybe it's not right, because he didn't ask the leaders, not that I'm a leader, but he didn't ask for people to, to come up and pray. Um, and then I kind of thought, well, actually, I hadn't received anything from the Lord, and, and I didn't want it to be a fleshly thing. And then Greg laid hands on me, and, and my worship and my song became what I would call free-flowing. You know, you worship, sorry, the music team, the leaders, you know when all of a sudden they segue and they're in the spirit. And, and I have a similar experience that morning, and it happens other times. Not that my voice <laughs> is probably killing people around me, but, uh, but that, that's how it manifests for me. And, um, and I began praying in tongues, and it became very fervent and explosive, and it, it brought me to my knees. And, and Carl, uh, who's in our life group, um, you know, was behind me, and he, he laid his hands on me and started praying for me, and he was shaking, and, and I felt his support. Um, and, and then I, I, I got a picture, and I saw myself standing behind Greg and my hands on him, praying for him and supporting him with Carl behind me and, and praying for us as well. And so now when I have these thoughts... I try and start to be obedient to them. And so I got up and I said to Carl, I, I, I said to him, I said what I just felt. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I sensed that he needed the support uh, and, and this family of the support. And the stupid thing was, it also sensed exactly what was needed as a couple of wingmen. Uh, I don't know if you know what wingmen are. But I watched a stupid Independence May movie the day before, and but it was a great line. Talk about God using funny things, and and I think it might have been Will Smith or whoever it was in the movie. And the couple of wingmen, he says, "You got to fly along with the bombers, protect the bomber at all costs, so he can deliver the payload." And that's exactly what I felt the Lord saying: "You got to cover Greg. You got to be his wingmen, so he can deliver the payload." And um. Funny, eh? <laughs> but, the, but the funny thing was is that Carl, and uh, he was going to be here tonight but couldn't, and that's a shame because I was going to ask him to, to give his testimony on that same morning. He was actually on AV. He runs the AV there. And, um, and he, before coming up, he kind of felt like he wanted to go up, needed to go up, but he was responsible for the sound, and and you know you just don't go, and I don't have much understanding of that. But you know, different singers have different levels, and you you got to manage that now and then, and da da da. But God told him, He says, "Well, who's in control of this, Carl? Are you or or me?" And and so he says, "Yeah, okay, God, you're in control." So that's when he came up, um, and 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 then felt to obviously put his hand on me, 
And he told me afterwards that he couldn't actually take his hand off me uh, when he was praying, and he was shaking and da 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 da. And and then as you as you were there, I started praying behind Greg for him. Um, but then it's like the word of the Lord spoke all in the same time, and um, the, the, and I didn't know where they were, but I knew they were there in Exodus. Um, you know. You and these people will come to you, but you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. So God was showing that in our obedience to that, that's what he was trying to show. Um, and, and then you read on in Exodus, and it says, you know, teach them uh, his decrees and instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And I didn't know that word, but that word was in me. Um, and, and that's what I sense is that, that you know, and, and people started coming up and more people started coming up and it's like nearly the whole church came up and we were, ended up praying for an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and then also the scripture in Exodus about um, Joshua was fighting as Moses had ordered and Moses and Aaron and Hur were at the top of the hill and they were holding up his hands. And you probably know the story. If they got tired and the hands went down, you know, the Israelites were losing. But as he was supported, the Israelites ended up winning. Um, but the cool thing about all of that was... Um, yeah, there was a real sense of the family thing because the, the the music team, you know, people started to interchange just naturally, started to interchange and different singers got up. Um, you had people like Sandra, you had people like others who were giving tissues, who were giving water to people. Um, I was starting to get worried about my kids because I had two of them and they were in children's church and you know, I didn't want to leave. And at the same time, I was, uh, what am I going to do? And, and then, you know, then Rochelle comes up out of nowhere and just says, hey, I've got your kids, they're in the, I've bought them some chips and they're fine, you know? And just that sense of God takes care of all the details. Um, and, you know, so it was a great blessing to everybody. Um, and and it, it was a catalyst. It was just about obedience. And Greg had no, you know, you know, he was going to preach. He says, we've got time for a short ministry, he felt. Well, <laughs> <laughs> You know, just like he said, who's building the church, Greg? Is it you or is it me? So, um, so I guess those are parts of his story that that are in me, and I share them because I know they are his story in me. I can confidently say that they are in me. As for the rest, like you all, I'm journeying that, um, and and so, you know, whether you've been here two years, two weeks, or 23 years like myself, um, you know, I feel like a baby Christian at times uh, because it's very simple. He says, do you love me? Will you follow me? And that's a call that's every day. And every day you have to make that decision. And every day, uh, you know, something will come up that will challenge that. Um, I um I came across this because I thought so use a little bit of imagination 
<laughs> so most of you know that Richie McCall's movie Chasing Greats coming out very soon. And there's an article about it. And I just, just in the context of story and, and your story and his story and feeling uh, like you have a story, feeling worthy, knowing that God is in your life and he has a plan for you and he wants you to know him more. Um, so, you know, this is the reporters. So Richie McCall's response was, why would anybody watch 90 Minutes about me? You know, why would anybody care about us? Don't we feel that sometimes? You know, why why would God want to use me? Uh, you know, um, he still needs convincing it's a worthy subject. We still need convincing we're worthy. Now, we're not worthy in our own right. We know that. But we're worthy because he says we're worthy. We're worthy because he paid a great price. Um um, but he says it's a little bit scary to be perfectly honest. Well, isn't it a little bit scary at the moment? Um, you know, and he says we all know. Oh, so in sport, there's no guarantees. In life, there's no guarantees. So that's why we keep turning up. Is what I would say. We all know how the story ends, but the filmmakers say it's what you learn about McCaw along the way that makes this movie. We all know how the story ends. But God says it's what you learn about him along the way that makes you his. Um, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but these are the things that were popping out at me. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't want to try and make life fit his story. It's his story, and life is subject to him. Um, I think I might have to stop talking now. Um I will just have a look at the key scriptures, which I said to Rochelle, I probably won't end up using them. They've all been printed out. <laughs> um, I think, I guess, what I also um, came to recognize is is that, you know, he does have the words. Uh, he does have your story. You know, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One. Um, and and so it's the pearl of great price. You know, we know that Jesus had to die for our sins to to make the law fulfilled in terms of of the punishment due to us. We know that He was a substitute, um, but we forget that He also had to die so that the Spirit could be free to do the work in us. You know, he says, I tell you, it is for your good I'm going away, and unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. I will send him to you. Um, And unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, I can certainly identify with that because there is no resurrection. There is no life in him until you're dead. Yeah? You have to die. Jesus had to die so that he would produce himself in us. He had to die for the Spirit to come and live in us and to, 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 to write his story on our hearts um, because he was doing a new thing. Um, 
like it says, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And he knew that. And yet he didn't want to die, did he? So, all right. Hope it was a blessing. If you want uh, to chat, if you want to be prayed with or for, come and see me. Otherwise, go home and have your dinner or dessert or whatever it is and uh, encourage you to find your story in him.